Welcome. You are listening to the Mindful Minute, meditations created for everyday joy. I'm Meryl Arnett, mama, meditator, and head of mindfulness for Shoreline Meditation App. This podcast is recorded from my live Monday night meditation class, where we have a brief discussion followed by a 20-minute guided meditation. If these meditations support you and your practice, please consider donating to the show to support its continued growth, new offerings, and its ever-expanding team. You can find the link in today's show notes or simply visit merylarnett.com and click on podcast. All right, y'all, let's practice. Happy Monday. Welcome. Thank you guys so much for being here tonight. So we are, we're going to talk about, I think, a really gray area tonight in our meditation practice. And I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. And I'm just going to frame it in the sense that at the end of the day, I actually can't give you a right answer to this one, right? This is a very personal line in the sand that we're going to draw for ourselves over and over and over again, actually. But I want to set up the conversation, at least in the way that I uh, reflect on it in my own practice, and we'll see how it lands for each of you as well. So this, uh, this came up really recently, actually, with a private client of mine that I had been working with for a couple months on a meditation practice. And in our last session, he let me know that he needed to pause for a couple months. Things were really picking up at work. He was feeling really busy, really overwhelmed. They were getting ready to move. Several things were happening all at once. And he said, I just need to take a couple months to get some things done, to create some space for myself, and then I'm going to come back and we're going to meditate again. And... That I have that conversation a lot, not just with clients, but with students in general around like, how's your meditation practice going? Well, good, but things are really busy. So I've taken a little break or I'm having trouble staying committed or consistent. And there's this moment where I always feel like, should I give the nudge? Should I give the push? Or do I not? And, and truth be told, I almost always do give the nudge, right? Because I want you to meditate. If I didn't, I wouldn't be here teaching this class. And also, nobody, nobody except you, the practitioner, actually knows the extent of what's happening in your life and in your body in the moment. Nobody does, right? I don't actually know the details of what work is asking of you. I don't know the details of your relationships, of your family, of your history, of your traumas. I know none of it. And so I don't get to be the one to say meditate no matter what. You are the one who makes that decision. And the question becomes, how do we make that decision? How do we decide when the kind, compassionate, wise thing to do is to take a break? And how do we decide when the kind, compassionate, wise thing to do is to give ourselves the push 
even though it feels hard or even though it feels uncomfortable. You know, another example of this actually ages ago, I was in a book club and I don't remember what we were reading, but we were reading a book that had to do with meditation. And one of the women in the book club said, well, I meditate every night in my bath. And I posed the question, well, is it actually meditating or is it relaxing? Both serve a really important purpose, but I think it's valid to make sure that we're aware of what it is we're choosing, right? And I've shared before in my own practice, just in the way my life is with our little kids right now, I wake up really early to get my meditation practice in. I'm up at 5 a.m., so that I have time to do my practice before our house wakes up. And some mornings, I'm really tired. I make a concerted effort to go to bed super early, but sometimes it doesn't happen. And then I'm really tired. And it becomes a really valid question. Is getting eight hours of sleep the healthy, compassionate, important decision? Or is carving out time for my meditation practice the healthy, compassionate, wise decision? That feels like a really fair question to reflect on. So I synchronistically, coincidentally, was listening to an interview today with Dr. Kristen Neff, who is the mindful self-compassion guru. She like literally wrote the book on mindful self-compassion. She runs a self-compassion lab uh, out of the University of Texas in Austin. Wise, amazing meditation teacher. And she just wrote a new book called Fierce Compassion. And I was listening to this interview and she was talking about the two sides of self-compassion. The tender side which I think gets a lot of lip service. The tender side is the, I had a really tough day, so I'm gonna draw a bath, light a candle, journal, watch my favorite show on TV and go to bed. But there's also the fierce side of self-compassion. And the fierce side shows up as what is the that I need to do, the conversation that I need to have, the boundary that I need to create to shift whatever's causing this bad day? Is it a conversation that I need to have with my boss or my partner or my children or my roommate? Is it a boundary I have to create for myself around what hours I'm working and what hours I'm done working. And sometimes that fierce compassion, because it's fierce, because there's an element of like pulling your belly in a bit and you know stealing up your spine a bit and then making the harder decision, the, the inclination is, well, is that really compassion? Because does, aren't we sort of conditioned to think of compassion as like soft and melting and open and like accepting, right? And I thought, well, this is a really interesting reflection when we think about how we decide 
are, am I practicing today or am I not? Especially when it comes to a to-do list that feels overwhelming. Because our conditioning and the cultural expectation is, you better work twice as fast and a couple extra hours to get this under control. Don't let that to-do list be so big. Don't let it be so overwhelming. Do something about it. And so the first thing we do is cross off all the self-care stuff and rush like a chicken with our head cut off to get it all done. And then we're going to go back and meditate. But take two seconds to think about the last day you had a day like that. And did you actually go back and meditate? Because if you're like me, you probably then binge two hours of Netflix as a way to decompress and then fell into bed in a really unhappy state, right? Because that sometimes is the only way we can manage the level of stress that comes with that kind of day. And the harder thing to do, the more uncomfortable thing to do would be to sit down, to be still, and then to feel all the stress you have been channeling for the last 12 hours. Nobody wants to do that, right? That feels miserable. And yet, if we were to do that, perhaps we would land upon some insight that asks us to do something. That asks us to act so that that's not the norm. So that that's not the day, every day that we have. So I think we're going to continue exploring this over the course of the next month in in some form. But I wanted to start tonight just by sharing three definitions, three principles that I find I lean upon a lot in my own practice, in my own life when I'm thinking through these kind of decisions. And I'm offering up them tonight as just maybe they also will help you make those decisions. Because I can say all day with as much love in my heart as possible, meditate. But only you get to decide if that's actually the right choice. Because on the outside, of course, it seems like it is. And on the inside, sometimes maybe it's not. Sometimes maybe you do actually have to stop and address XYZ. Sometimes you do have the sick kid and you're not going to say, mommy or daddy can't hold you right now because I have to go meditate. You're just not going to say it. Maybe you are, right? Only you get to make those decisions. All right. So the three principles, the three definitions that I use in my own decision-making. The first is about listening. This is from Mark Nepo, who's a philosopher, a meditator, a poet. And he writes, to listen is to continually give up all expectations and to give our attention completely and freshly to what is before us, not really knowing what we will hear or what it will mean. In the practice of our days, to listen is to lean in softly with a willingness to be changed by what we hear. To listen. The second one is courage. In one of its earliest forms, the word courage meant 
to speak one's mind by telling all one's heart. To speak one's mind by telling all one's heart. That's from Brene Brown. And the last one is compassion. And the definition or the way that I think about compassion most often comes from Father Gregory Boyle, who's a Jesuit priest. And he wrote about compassion as to stand in awe of what someone has to carry rather than in judgment of how they carry it. To stand in awe of what someone has to carry rather than in judgment of how they carry it. And so when I reflect that towards myself, how that shows up is, am I making enough time, enough pause to listen without the expectation that I know the right answer? And once I've listened, while I'm listening, can I have enough courage to speak the truth? And then that compassion piece is, Can I do the thing? Can I do the thing and stand in awe of myself without judging myself for making that choice? Even more specifically, can I do the thing that most supports my ultimate intention? Because it's easy to see 20 to 1,000 emails in your inbox that are unread and make what feels like the right decision. But are we still holding our ultimate intention in mind when we choose to respond to email versus do our meditation practice? Right? So can we make the choice based on our ultimate intention? All right. Let's find out. So we're going to do a little practice and we'll just hold those principles loosely so that as we go through our days and we're faced with those tough questions, we can walk that line, right? With the tender choice in one hand and the fierce choice in the other hand, and we stand in awe of our balance rather than in judgment. Okay, so find a comfortable seat. Let your eyes close when you feel ready. And if that doesn't feel quite right for you today, you can always just take a soft gaze down towards the ground. And as you settle into your seat and into this moment, we'll take a breath together. A deep inhale in. Exhale out a sigh. And we'll just do that again. So you'll inhale deeply through the nose, filling yourself up. And exhale out the sigh. Allowing your breath to flow. Allowing a sense of ease and softness settle.
And as we sit here, you begin by silently saying to yourself, now is my time to meditate. Now is my time to meditate. And as you feel that intention sinking in, notice if you can just give yourself over to it a little bit more. Are there ways that you can soften your edges? Or allow yourself to sit a little bit more deeply into the cushion or chair beneath you. As if in this moment, there were some way to consciously cut ties with the external world. So that the concerns, the struggles, the questions, the to-dos, even the stories themselves What if we could just let all of that float out in the periphery? We feel ourselves settle beneath all of that. Resting heavy and supported against the earth. We feel our hips and our thighs letting go like they were melting. We trace up the long line of the spine. Letting go through the muscles of the face. the forehead, the eyes, the jaw. Sensing space inside the mouth. Sensing space between the right ear and the left ear. Allowing our practice to be one of listening. A willingness to lean in softly and be changed by what we hear.
And our breath flows out across our collarbones. Feeling your collarbones spread and your shoulder blades drop. breath moves down through your chest and as you breathe in and out of the heart space it's here that you feel that courage the willingness to tell all of your heart. Feel our breath down in our belly. The subtle, easy way that our belly expands as we breathe in and contracts as we breathe out. Every breath reflecting those two sides of compassion. The tender, expansive inhale, a softening there. And on the exhale, that bit of strength with the contraction. And in this practice, we don't exaggerate either the inhale or the exhale. We don't exaggerate the expansion or the contraction. But we allow both to exist. equally vital to our practice, to our very existence. Every breath. Expansion. Contraction. 
tender, fierce, We'll sit in silence for a few minutes here. Keeping all of our awareness on the flow of breath. Letting all distractions, all concerns simply drift towards the periphery.
Feeling your breath flow here. The two sides of compassion on every breath. The courage of the heart. The space to listen between the ears. And the flow of breath all around and all through. Letting that breath deepen a little bit more purposefully now. Straightening your spine if you slumped over, wiggling your fingers, your toes, feeling into the edges of your body once again. When you feel ready, you can draw your palms together in front of your heart like a prayer, bow your chin down. Taking a moment just to offer up that compassion for yourself, the tender side, the fierce side. The ability to stand in awe of all of it. Let's take one last breath together. A deep inhale in. Exhale out a sigh. When you're ready, you can release your practice. You can blink your eyes open. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to The Mindful Minute. If you're enjoying these episodes, please consider leaving me a review wherever you get your podcast. It really helps others to find this show. To learn more about my live classes, virtual meditation retreats, my meditation app Shoreline, or to make a donation to the show, please visit MerylArnett.com. Thanks again. I'll see you next week.